I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who came into recovery with resentment and pride and who struggles with isolation. My name is David. My testimony might be a little different than others you've heard. We've all heard from right here many amazing testimonies of the power of Jesus Christ to rescue people from drug addiction, from alcoholism, from physical and sexual abuse, from pornography, all through the ministry of Celebrate Recovery and through step studies. I love those testimonies, but that's not really my testimony. Don't get me wrong, I have seen God do amazing things in my life, making changes in me that I was powerless to make on my own. But my sins were a little more subtle. They're what some might call respectable sins, but they are no less destructive or dangerous and certainly not viewed any differently from God's perspective. So I had a fairly typical upbringing right here in Oklahoma on a farm not too far from Bartlesville. I had loving, hardworking parents and four siblings, two older sisters and two younger brothers. I grew up in the Presbyterian Church where we were faithful attenders. I knew about Jesus, never doubting the existence of God or that Jesus was God's son, but I didn't have a personal relationship with Christ. That didn't happen until I was 25 years old when I was saved in a small Baptist church in West Texas. During college, I had gotten completely away from church and picked up some pretty bad habits. I looked for satisfaction in all the usual places. Sex, drugs, and alcohol were prominent fixtures in my life. All those things brought temporary satisfaction, but kept leading me down paths of greater and greater hopelessness and dissatisfaction. Out of college and in the real world, that downward spiral continued. But I realized that things were out of control and that I was powerless to change them on my own because I had tried. At a low point, I turned back to the church, looking for the peace and joy I wasn't finding in anything else. That's when I heard a sermon out of Romans 8.28, which says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. Well, I didn't know that. Things didn't seem to be working together for my good. But then I noticed that God's promise was conditional. I needed to find out what it meant to love God and be called according to His purpose. I came to realize that being called to God's purpose required having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Understanding that piece of it led me into a true relationship with the Lord and into the fulfillment of God's promise all things working together for good. That was the first time I saw evidence of the truth of the first principle in my life. I realized that I was not God, and I admitted that I was powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing and that my life was unmanageable. Now, at the age of 25, which was 37 years ago, I'm going to let you do the math, I didn't know anything about the eight principles or about Celebrate Recovery. But I did know and do know that God's word is eternal and true. Whether you understand the principles that are derived from God's word or not, whether you know them or not, even whether you believe them or not, they are eternal and they are true. 
Those first moves away from hurts, habits, and hang-ups, away from unhealthy relationships, away from drugs, away from alcohol, that didn't happen overnight. The Holy Spirit within me began to bring conviction, and I knew I was powerless to change my behaviors on my own. Those things, one at a time, by His power, began to fall away. Many of my character defects fell away, but not all of them. I didn't realize until much later that I had held on to a few sins, ones that I hadn't even recognized or acknowledged as being sins, those respectable sins. A coping mechanism that I'd picked up when I was very young was isolation. Conflict, any conflict, would cause me to pull away from people, to isolate. I felt the more I pulled away and the less vulnerable I made myself, the less likely I was to get hurt or embarrassed, which was my kryptonite. I got better at it over the years. I was drawn to the theater and acting. I discovered that on the stage I could isolate in plain sight, being someone else, using someone else's words, being in front of people without once revealing anything about myself, about my true self. That seemed to work pretty well for me until I got married and had a family. To the outside world, everything looked great. I could easily play the part of a good husband, a good father, a good church member, Sunday school teacher, even a deacon. But at home, that didn't work at all. At home, the normal stresses of everyday life would cause me to immediately isolate and pull away, both emotionally and physically. You might be thinking, yeah, that's not ideal, but is that really a sin? Proverbs 18.1 says this, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks away from all sound judgment. Sounds like a sin to me. In Matthew chapter 22, the Pharisees asked Jesus, what is the great commandment in the law? In verses 37 through 40, Jesus replied, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On the two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Do you see how Jesus tied those two things together? My relationship with God and my relationship with the people around me? It makes me believe that if I have one of those things wrong, I probably got both of them wrong. If I'm intentionally hiding myself, isolating from people, I'm probably trying to hide and isolate myself from God. It doesn't take long for that behavior to start causing some real problems. Listen, if, if you're planting a garden, you have to plant the things you want, the tomatoes, the cucumbers, peppers, okra, whatever. What you don't have to plant is weeds. Just leave the garden alone, ignore it for a little while and the weeds will grow very well on their own. Ignore it long enough and they will choke out all the things that you want to grow. I was isolating from the relationships in my life and letting the weeds of anger, resentment, disappointment, and unmet expectations grow unchecked, choking out all the things that I really wanted. I could see the damage that my isolation was causing my marriage, my wife and my kids, but I was powerless on my own to do anything about it. After years of this, my wife of 30 plus years had had enough. 
of the physical and emotional isolation, and she let me know she was moving out. She was leaving. Fellows, that's what we call a clue that something is really wrong. And up to that point, I didn't have a clue. That's what finally brought me into recovery just over two years ago. I have to tell you that my first time to celebrate recovery, I didn't have any idea why I was here. Maybe you're here tonight and you don't know exactly why. But that's okay. I want to ask you to trust the Lord and that he brought you here tonight for a reason. I could see the impact that CR had had on this church, but couldn't see how it related to me personally. You got to remember, I was raised Presbyterian. Praising God involved sitting very quietly with your hands folded in your lap, dressing the right way, sitting in the right pew, and letting everybody know that you were okay. I came in here and saw people hugging on each other and loving each other and praising God and raising their hands. <laughs> i got to tell you, I thought that was really strange. <laughs> I thought you people were weird. <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm, I'm a little weird now, too. I, I, uh, I still can't raise my hands, though. I'm kind of a T-Rex. When I was much younger, I had the wonderful opportunity for many years to be a part of an Easter presentation of the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Through those years, I was able to play many different parts, but there was one part that I really wanted but never got. That part was a very small part with only one line in the whole production. It was the part of a finely dressed Pharisee standing in a prominent place in the temple, praying loudly, whose only line was this, Thank you, God, that I am not as one of these, neither woman nor Gentile dog. Oh, what a wonderful, awful line. Wonderful because that's just fun. Awful for obvious reasons, but also awful because I started to recognize myself in that Pharisee and in that prayer when I joined recovery. When I came into recovery, though I knew God was calling me to it, I didn't understand why. I wasn't like all these other people, was I? When I started my first step study, I couldn't even articulate why I was there. We were probably in principle four, openly examine and confess my faults to God and to someone I trust before I was even able to get to the stuff that was right there on the surface. In any marriage, or any relationship for that matter, there is the danger of unresolved anger building into resentment. If one of the people in that marriage or relationship tends to isolate, you'd better believe there's going to be resentment. I was a master of holding on to my anger not talking to anybody about it, letting it build into resentment. That resentment clouded everything in the marriage. 
But being prideful, I thought I could handle the strain of that anger and resentment without ever showing it, without anybody knowing what was really going on inside. God and my step-city brothers helped me see that the resentment and pride were the first thing I needed to hand over to God's control. With my inventory, I was able to identify all those I had hurt. Principle six, evaluate all my relationships, offer forgiveness to those who have hurt me, and make amends for harm I've done to others when possible, except when to do so would harm them or others, was absolutely key to that part of my recovery. When I was finally able, with God's power, to let go of the pride that had prevented me from asking for or offering forgiveness, the old resentments fell away. The walls I had used to protect myself began to fall down. So, after I finished my first step study, I thought, I'm fixed, all done, right? No need for another step study. I told you there was some pride in there. I think someone here probably tricked me into taking another step study, knowing that I needed it, by asking me to help lead a step study. Yeah, thanks Steve Murphy. Helping lead a step study. Sorry. Helping lead a step study was a tremendous joy. But it ended up being more helpful for me than it probably was for any of the men in that group. Again, slowly through prayer and the conviction of the Holy Spirit, God began to reveal to me exactly why I was there and that, again, I was powerless to change it on my own. I began to see that below the surface of resentment, there was certainly a layer of pride, but the character defect in me that I hadn't even started to address was the isolation. God revealed to me that once I stopped denying my sin of isolation, stopped denying that isolation was even a sin, I started depending on His power to bring change in my life, that I could be then more open with people, I could be vulnerable with people, that I could be myself without the fear of being hurt, condemned, or embarrassed. Through that second step study, probably right around principle four, I was finally able to open my life up to that group of men without the fear of condemnation or judgment. I found true Christian fellowship, offering only prayer, compassion, and support. Now, I'm bright enough to know that the world probably isn't going to give me that same type of grace. But my experience with these men gave me the courage and confidence to face those fears as well being more open and vulnerable with everyone. I have three daughters. I know that my habit of isolation through the entire time they were growing into adults hurt them. Knowing that, I was able to admit my sin to them, ask for and receive forgiveness from them, and restore good relationships with them. I have committed to them that I will not isolate or hide my true self from them again it has led some, to some pretty interesting conversations, most of which I'm not really comfortable with, but all of them leading to deeper, more meaningful relationship. 
I formed new relationships, growing relationships, right here in Celebrate Recovery and in my home church. By putting into practice the things God taught me through recovery, I've been able to share openly with people outside the church about my recovery, giving me the opportunity to talk to them about what Jesus has done in my life and what he can do in theirs. So which of my character defects does God want to work on in my next step study? I don't know, but I do know that if I ask him, he will be faithful to show me exactly what he wants to work on together. He has a lot of character defects to choose from. I'll trust him to pick the right one. There's another way my testimony might not be like some of the others you've heard. You know the hurt, the suffering that sinful habits can cause, the consequences of sin? I'm still in the middle of it. I still hurt. I'm still suffering those consequences. I don't know how the story's going to end. I haven't come to the other side of that yet, and I don't know when I will. But I do know that I absolutely will come to the other side of it with joy, not suffering. Several weeks ago, I heard a sermon out of John chapter 16. Jesus, in the last hours before he was arrested, was explaining to his disciples that he would not be with them anymore and that they would suffer, but that he would turn their suffering into joy. It was pointed out in that sermon that Jesus wasn't talking about sprinkling joy dust over their suffering, making them feel better. Jesus promised to turn, to change, to replace to transform that suffering into joy. Even though I don't know how or when, I have complete faith that he will do the same for me. We should all hold on to that faith. If you are here tonight for the first time, it's very possible that you don't have a clear understanding of why God has brought you to this place or to this point. If you're struggling, if you're hurting, if you don't know yet, how God will work his miraculous power in your life, or even in what part of your life he needs to be working, I promise you that he does know. I want to encourage you to keep coming back and keep trusting the process. If you ask him and are willing to listen, he will be faithful to answer. You will be amazed at the changes God will make in your life and the opportunities to serve that he will put in your path. If you can already see those miracles in your life, praise God. Continue sharing with others what God has done and continues to do. I am a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I do struggle with isolation. My name is David. I love you guys. Thank you for letting me share my testimony.